we'll go look at Psalm 107. I want to talk about today something I think it's, I mean, just awesome, wonderful. The Word of God is so, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> you know, to be, I, I want to tell you just what a privilege it is to, as you teach the Word of God, preach the Word of God. It's so good. You know, there's power in the Word of God. The Bible says it's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And it pierces even to the very conscience. And so it's living and active. And so when I mentioned to you, when John gets uh, through passing these out, we're going to talk about our call to worship. Talk about worship a little bit. Talk about, um, uh, I believe, this particular psalm. And probably in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about Easter and the resurrection, uh, looking at that more because we're getting up. I think April the 20th is uh, actually uh, Easter, resurrection. And so we'll be talking more about that. Uh, I have some wonderful things in store. I believe some things God has shown me that uh, will be very, uh, hopefully, just build us up in our faith. All right. And I always ask, if you like to stand while the Word of God is being written and, and, and speak it with me, if you would, uh, there is power in the Word of God. So anyone would like to stand, you're welcome to do that at this time. Let's, let's say it together. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those He redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. And he brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds of men. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through the bars of iron. Some became fools through his rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all the food and drew near the gates of death. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for the Lord, unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with joys, songs of joy. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. And they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest and they, that lifted up high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths, and in their peril their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and they brought, he brought them out of their distress. Amen. May God add blessings to the reading of his word. Now, we all have troubles. 
And we can say certainly that uh, when you think about it, we know life is full of troubles and we think about uh, how's this happening and so forth. And so there are a couple things that we want to look at today. First of all, how God's love is expressed to us in the context of the troubles of life because he reveals his love to us even in the troubles of life. The second thing is how genuine worship is birthed in our hearts. Now, worship is not just something that we pump up through great music. That's important, certainly. But great music will facilitate us in some way in this process. But worship, listen to this, is a response that flows out of our experience with God and our understanding of him as a result of those experiences. I'll say it again here. Worship is a response that flows out of our experience with God and our understanding of him as a result of those experiences. Now, sometimes it can be bad experiences. Sometimes it can be good experiences. Let me give you an example. This past week, I went in and I had surgery. And uh, of course, they put you in a prep room and you put that kind of funky looking hat on. Well, Cindy takes a picture of it. Can you believe that? And then sends it out on Facebook. I looked at that thing and I went, my goodness, take this thing off. Is there a way to retract this? Well, there's not. Once it's out there in the airways, you're done deal. It's a done deal. I'm laying there and that green looking puffy hat and so forth, but you got to wear it because they make you wear all this stuff. They do their different things to you that I'm not really going to reveal to you today. But I was laying there preparing. And I want to tell you, I knew that you guys were praying for me. I felt a peace like I, I guess I've just not experienced it. I was not afraid at all. I knew that if somehow through this whole thing that if I died, that I would be going to heaven and I had no fear of death. I knew it was because of people covering me in prayer. So I get in there and of course when they start, you know, the, the nurse comes over and says, are you ready for your margarita? And I went, uh, yeah. So she pushes something in my veins, and before long, I became loopy, you know. And I can t I'm talking to them because I'm wanting to kind of, you know, engage back and forth. And all of a sudden, I can tell that my speech is slurring. And I know my speech is slurring, like I'm drunk. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. To, and, I was, and I said, I better shut up for a minute. And I, I wanted to say, what are you guys doing? Because they stretch your arms out. You know, Tricia knows about this, being a nurse and others. And they stretch me out like that. Well, the next thing I know, I'm gone. That's it. And when I wake up, I'm, you know how you're a little bit foggy. But what happened was when I woke up, now, now I'm not really in bad pain. I'd been in pain before the surgery. And, of course, they, they give you all this uh, medication and so forth. And it's real good. But... There's still, there's that, these troubles, there's this suffering, and, and, and this is going on. Mind me now, nothing compared to anything I know all of you have been through. But I woke up in a spirit of worship. Like, I want to tell you, I raised my hands up. I was singing to the Lord in there. I was telling people, the nurses, I said, you know, and I went, I knew it wasn't the drugs that obviously took hold. <laughs> and I was saying things I want to say. I, wanted, I was asking people there, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? You need to know Jesus. And I would begin just worshiping the Lord. Now, worship is birthed out of an experience that you have with the Lord, obviously. 
and how you respond in that. It's the same way with us. It's the same way coming down in the car this morning as experiencing the presence of the Lord, and I began to worship. So it's prompted out of response to the presence of the Lord and your experience with the Lord and how you're relating to that experience. And after the surgery, I'm relating, Lord, I am totally at peace. I'm re- anything. And then the nurse comes in and says, we had an issue when you were under and we had to do some things and so forth. And I'm going to take and look into it. But you know, I am not afraid that if God calls me home, that I know where I'm going. And that's the greatest peace that anyone can have. And God is saying, you know, I don't believe we go home before the Lord is ready. I know we can eat, you know, a a ton of cheeseburgers and all this other stuff and maybe hasten things along. But God has a will. He has a purpose for you and me. And to be able to worship throughout in that, that worship is birth. And, And what we're seeing here in this particular psalm are people that are going through troubled waters. And remember Job, he was going along pretty good. He was pretty wealthy. He reverenced the Lord and so forth. And then all of a sudden, the enemy is going before the Lord and saying, I want to test your servant, Job. And uh, God gives him permission there in the book of Job. And, uh, and before long, his children are killed. His, uh, his fortune is taken away. He's hitting just unbelievable circumstances. I mean, things change. And so the reality is, and what we're seeing here, are four types of people that are going through troubles. You remember what happened to David? David had had some marvelous experiences with the Lord. He was a shepherd out there on the hillside, and and he had, had, had killed the lion and the bear, and he'd seen God's hand. He had communed with God. He had had marvelous experiences. When, when David's tabernacle, remember, was brought into Jerusalem, and he danced before the Lord, and he sat before the ark there, and he communed with God, and he had all, all these things. But David was not without trouble. David had trouble in his family. Remember, his baby was uh, died, and, and his family rebelled against him, and he had all types of trouble. And so sometimes we think that, obviously, all these things have been brought upon us because we have somehow acted out of the will of God. Now, that may be so, but I want you to make it clear today, not always so. Life is full of troubles. And somebody was telling me earlier, it just seemed like, there seems to be one thing after another that takes place. Uh, sometimes it's like a snowball effect, and there are troubles in life. But how do these people look at it? And what is God telling us to do through this psalm that I think is so important in your life and my life? Let's look at the four groups of people that he's talking about. In verses 4 through 8, he's talking about the wanderers, people just wandering through life. They don't seem to have any purpose they probably are in doom and gloom. It says they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're unsatisfied, and, and they wandered in desert wastelands there. And so, obviously, they were without purpose and direction there. They were the wanderers. That's a group of people that were wandering. The second group it talks about in verses 10 through 16 are the prisoners here. They're depressed. They're living in a state of gloom. Their circumstances have closed in on them, and they can't see any way out there. And so they obviously are uh, really down in the dumps. They're the prisoners there. Now, the Bible says here in verse 11, they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. They had rebelled against God. They had done their own thing. This is the prisoners that we're talking about here. 
The third group of people that we're talking about, it says in verse 17, it calls them the fools. They're fools there. And so uh, they describe there uh, that uh, these things were, uh, they had 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 iniquity in their heart or sin. They had transgressions or sin. They had these things in their heart. So they had rebelled against God. They were, they were considered to be called fools here. The fourth group of people are the merchants, it says in verse 23 through 32 here. These merchants were busy making a living. They were going about their own business and all, and all this stuff was heaped upon them. And so we couldn't say necessarily that they were doing anything overtly bad or wrong or evil and so forth, but they had neglected one thing. What had they neglected? They had neglected their relationship with God. They had sort of like, you know, become apathetic. They had been cold with their relationship with, with God Almighty, these four groups. They hadn't done anything overtly wrong, and yet they had, had drifted away from the Lord and failed to seek the Lord and seek his faith. And so there are four people here. I think they're representative maybe uh, of certainly many, many people, and it could be said maybe if you think about it today in our own lives. Maybe sometimes you think, well, I've brought this on myself and so forth, and, and I... Uh, I deserve the consequences of this. Yes, there are consequences of that, but the, the important thing is, is what I'm going to talk about in this psalm and how God relates to you and how he relates to me. Because if you think about it one way or another, we were all wandering. We were all astray from God before Jesus got a hold of us, right? Before we surrendered and we repented and we came back to Jesus, we were wandering in a wasteland. We were in a state of doom, and we finally stopped and realized we were depressed, and we realized this shame and this guilt on us is no one. that We felt like we were helpless, and we were without Jesus. And somehow, by the grace of God, we turned to Jesus by his grace and his mercy. He got a hold of us, and we realized freedom through his shed blood. And so this is what we're talking about today when we're thinking. And, you know, some of us may say, well, you know, Lord, I don't know what's going on. Well, let me encourage you. Get before the Father and ask him, Lord, have I taken a wrong turn here in life? Maybe things are going, and maybe there's nothing you've ever you've done, but maybe it's something that God wants to show you because he's our Father, remember? And he wants the very best for you and I. And he's not here to destroy us. He's here to correct us. And he's here to make us more like Jesus. And so no matter what's happening and you feel like, man, life is not going right with me, go before the Father and just say, Father, have I, making the, have I made the wrong turn here? And see what God shows you because he'll talk to you about it. If you're willing to correct it and repent, then he'll talk to you here. And verse 43, we didn't read this, but let me read it. It says, whoever is wise, let him heed these things. Well, what things here? Talking about life here, how to deal with trouble when it comes into our lives here, whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love or loving kindness of the Lord there. Okay, we see here the chosen path. We see the path we've been talking about. We see that there are problems, uh, sickness, and we see emptiness and bondage and sort of like dissatisfaction with life, frustrations with life and so forth. And then we see here in this scripture what we call, I believe, a desperate prayer 
a desperate prayer. Look at what he says, verse 6 and 13, 19 and 28. We continue to read it, and I believe God emphasizes it because it's very important. They cried out to the Lord. These people who had brought this stuff upon themselves cried out to the Lord. They finally came and said, we realize that, man, we brought this on ourselves. We realize that uh, we've done wrong. We've strayed from your path. And they cried out to the Lord. And that's a crucial step. And what did it say God did? And he delivered them out of their distress. Isn't that great? Even our God, who's full of grace and mercy, that even when we bring it on ourselves, even when we willfully bring it upon ourselves and we make wrong choices, that when we cry out to the Lord, that God delivers us from those things. Isn't that great? How many of you here, don't raise your hand, because I'll raise my hand, have brought things on yourself that you wish that if you could go back and do it over again, that you wouldn't do it the same way. I know I am. I'm as guilty of it as anything. How many of you could say today that when you turned to the Lord and you cried out to the Lord, that God delivered you from that particular situation, that you were the primary cause of Amen. I was me too. Isn't that encouraging to you? Now, this is the word of God. Now, I'm not saying go out there and just do purposely wrong things and sin and so forth, but I'm telling you that even when we do those things and then we turn to the Lord, out of our desperation, because what we're looking for here, God is saying, I'm looking for a desperate heart. I'm looking for a, a heart, a prayer from you that's desperate. You know, a desperate prayer is different than just sort of just praying and shooting a prayer up to God. And all of them are important, don't get me wrong. But when you're desperate, let me tell you, you'll be in a church house before the church house opens. You'll want to pray to the Lord. You won't just call somebody pray for you, although that's important. You'll be crying out to the Lord. You'll be asking for his favor and for his help and, and crying out for him. And let me tell you today, according to the word of God, he helps you every time. There were four groups of people, remember? And they were, they, they were real slouches, okay? They were real sinners. They, they had strayed away. And yet God helped them when they cried out to the Lord and he delivered them. And so in that crying out to the Lord here, when you're desperate here, you'll pray. You'll pray day and night. You'll pray in the car, you'll pray in the church house, you'll pray at home, you'll pray at work, the workplace. When you're desperate and you're crying out to the Lord and God has put his finger on something he wants to deal with in your life and my life, you'll cry out to the Lord and that's a desperate prayer. But what does he say? He delivers them out of all their distress. The beauty of this today, that's what we're talking about. James chapter 5 says, is it any one of you in trouble? How He should pray here. Whoever obviously prays wise because God is sent to trouble. You said, I thought it was the devil that sent trouble my way. No, God allows certain things to happen, even though we may have caused it ourselves. And the enemy definitely does. He will. But I'm talking about sometimes God allows the trouble in our lives to get our attention. Why? God allows that pain in our lives. Why? It's because he wants to make us more like Jesus. And he knows particularly he has somehow just tailor fit that trial or that test in your life and my life to make, me, make us more like Jesus. And yet when I cry out to him, when I, I ask him for these things, to be delivered from these things, as we know God always hears us. And Jeremiah 33 says, call upon me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you could never imagine. 
He says, our responsibility is call on me. And then he says, my responsibility is I'll show you and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. You could never, ever imagine if you'll do that today. I was doing some errands Friday afternoon and uh, there's just something on my heart was heavy. And uh, we've been talking about the voice of God, right? Everybody know God speaks today. He speaks to us. He speaks and, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I've got to know this. And I asked him some things because it was really heavy on my heart. It was a major thing in my life, trust me. And I said, I need to know. I've got to hear from you. I need to know. And so I left. And uh, it was about two hours later, I was sitting in some traffic and I was sitting. And I know where I was when God spoke to me. And I looked over at a telephone pole they hadn't put up. It was lying on, on the road. And I don't know, I just saw it there. And all the mo moment I made contact, my eye contact with that telephone pole, God spoke to me and answered my prayer and spoke to my heart. And I knew it was God. And it changed me, changed my attitude, changed the way I saw the situation. It answered what I needed to know. Cry out to him, folks, let me tell you. He said he'll answer you, and he'll obviously deliver us from that distress. Cry out to him. And sometimes that's a process, because why? It's because we want a quick fix. We want, hey, Lord, just come in, and like a microwave, pop it in, pop it out. And somehow, through this whole thing, Almighty God, the one who spoke all the billions of galaxies into existence, he wants a relationship with me and you. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous? And he sent Jesus Christ to prove that, to die on the cross and to go in that grave, that cold grave, but not to stay in that grave. He was resurrected and he lives. He lives forevermore. Isn't that wonderful today to know God's commitment to me and you to say, if we'll just follow, just give him our hearts and lives and, and that he will respond. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who spoke. And I love it's a Hillsong United uh, album that's out about the, that when he spoke the billions of galaxies. And, and if they'll worship the Lord, so will I. It's the title of, this, of the contemporary Christian song, So Will I. And I was listening to that today, and I wept just coming down because, Lord, if, if the stars cry out and worship to you, so will I, Lord. And I was going, I, so will I, because you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. So will I. I want God's worthy of all those things here. I want to tell you, we know and need to come to know God's power and who he is. And then what's the last thing that happens? You know, coming out of that surgery, and coming out, and I was in pain before and so forth. Y'all been in pain. You may be in pain today. And coming out of that, what happened when they took me and I began to come around? I was still dazed. Was worship. This is what happened here. They were worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. They were worshiping. They were praised here. And see, this song, this song, this song, they sang this is a call to worship based on our experience with God in these matters here. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe here, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the sound, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. 
I like the, uh, the other translation here in the New King James when it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men here. So you feel that call to genuine worship. The music and all what Mary and Jerry, all that stuff is a way of somehow leading us into that worship. But worship, as I've talked about over the weeks past, is meeting with God, somehow being touched by him and, and feeling and experiencing an adoration for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, a deep down love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what worship is all about because trouble is a fact of life. And we try sometimes to lean on our own understanding. Oh, we, we trust the Lord. I want to share with you, if you would. Ed, would you put Psalm 63 up there for me? And we'll close with this. It's, we've got a little bit of time, so y'all don't come up yet. But Psalm 63. We'll just look at the first three verses. I think this is so important here. David was in the desert. He was in troubled times. Now, this is a man after God's own heart. But look what he says here. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you, and my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can anybody relate? I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. David had experienced the manifest presence of the Lord in David's tabernacle, in his life, I'm sure on the hillsides too, as a shepherd boy. And he said, I remember you in my sanctuary. He goes on to say, I, I'm thinking about, I remember the days of worship when I worshiped you and praised you and glorified your name. But now I'm out here and I believe it's the time when King Saul was, was chasing after him, if you remember trying to kill him. And he's in a dry, and he's in a weary place. But in spite of all that, what is David doing? He's praising the Lord. Amen? He's in a dry, he's in a real bad place, and yet he still continues to praise and seek the Lord. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me with all of your heart, then I'll be found by you. Now, here's a real seeker of God, and that's why I started out saying, I'm glad I'm a part of a church that seeks the face of God. Amen. And you guys, and, and, and you know, it's, it's awesome to walk along and journey with you in that. And seekers obviously say, God, I need you, and I want to see you. My soul thirsts for a person. My soul thirsts for Jesus Christ and that depth of intimacy that he desires to give us here. And so our prayer should be, awaken me to what makes you feel at home within me. We talked about God's dwelling place over the last few weeks. Awaken me to what makes you feel at home within me. What is it that makes you desire me? What is it that I can do to cooperate with you that you'll feel at home with me? We're transformed, obviously, by the God of our doctrines here. And sometimes we confuse knowledge with experience. Both have to go together. We think because sometimes we just come to church, we've done our weekly duty. And God, Jesus, calls us to be followers of him. What takes place in our society, in our lives, 
are way beyond these four walls. Amen? What takes place is when I leave this place, I can get up here and I can preach and I can get real pious before you, but what happens is when I step foot out here in, in that parking lot and I go beyond this place, that's what really, and what happens in my life, because God sees everything we do anyway. He knows what we're doing. And so sometimes, you know, John Wesley, he said, you know, the devil knows of our, all of our doctrines better than we do. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about experiencing the Lord on a regular basis. He speaks, he loves us. And that communion with the Holy Spirit of God and fellowship with the Lord is so important in your life and my life. We need to stay in love with Jesus is what it's all about. When you stand before God, he's not going to get you to write out a thesis on your theology. I've got a, a master's of divinity. I've got a degree. I've got a degree in business management. And I've got to all of this stuff. But he's not going to ask me, let me see your sheepskin, Jim. See where you stand. You know what he's going to say? Does my son know you and you know him? And what was your relationship like with Jesus? You remember Matthew, I believe, 7. He says, you know, they come and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we do all this stuff? I'm talking about working here. And God, Jesus said, depart from me because I never knew you. We're talking about a relationship, an intimacy like we've never known. We don't stand up and quote our theology to him. We come being in love with Jesus Christ. We are seeking, seeing, seeing the Lord. And, and obviously when those two things take place and when you behold the Lord, you're captivated by his presence, you're going to talk about him. You're going to share other, with other people about him. And that's what will come out of your mouth. We need to experience his presence until obviously... How many of you in here, I've used this illustration, how many of you in here know what cho chocolate tastes like? Can you? How did you know what chocolate tastes like? You ate it. You had to taste it, didn't you, David? Taste and see that he's good. You remember my experience in Ecuador uh, almost, uh, almost three years now, sitting in the presence of the Lord for two and a half hours, we didn't move. We were in a trance, actually, if I believe, a type of trance with the Lord. His presence came down, the glory came down, filled the room, and three of us that were there who were seeking the Lord there before some services, we didn't move for two and a half hours. We thought it was, I, did, I don't know, I lost, I, didn't, I was in another realm. But when we came, when the glory lifted, um, Nicole looked at the clock and said, Jim, we've been in the presence of the Lord for two and a half hours. God is good. Change your life. When you encounter the Lord, you know you encountered him in salvation. Do you believe that's just the end of his relationship with you? I'm saved and I can get on my, I've got my ticket to heaven and so forth. No, that's just the beginning. He's just begun. There's so much more to God than what we have experienced. And I'll say that over and over again. And God wants us to know him intimately and to walk with him day and day. And that's why when I'm talking about stop periodically and say, Lord, you're here. Recognize he's here because he's here right now. And recognize and be aware of his presence. Get sensitive to his presence. You're here with me, Lord. I love you. Show me. I surrender to you right now because you're here. And every so long, as the Lord puts a check or you put it on your clock or whatever, on your cell phone or whatever, and stop and become aware of the presence of the Lord in your life here. 
I'll share with you here in this scripture in Psalm 63. Can you pan on down, Ed, uh, past uh, the first three verses? I want to share with you something. It's Psalm 63. It's going to go beyond that. You got it? Yeah, go, go on down to go down from it, and we'll close with this one. I'm going to um, share with you some things I think I just feel want to share with you. Here we go. That's it. That's the one there. Yes. David is saying, I'll praise you as long as I live, and in your name I'll lift up my hands. I want to tell you, it's real freeing to do this. Lifting of hands. It's an act of surrender. It's an act of worship. God is very much enjoys when we lift our hands. I know we've been, been brought up in certain traditions. I love the stillness. I love the quietness and the solitude. I love communion. I love the excitement and exuberance of worship that's very active. I enjoy sitting with my hands and my head bowed, but I enjoy lifting my hands before the Lord. Try it sometime. It frees you. It's an act of worship. What do little kids do when they run up to their father or their mother? The little child runs up and they have their hands lifted before the mom or dad. It's like an act of surrender. It's an act of worship today. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. Just go before the Lord and worship the Lord. Uh, you know, traditions are good, and I love all of them. But I'm not bound by traditions, trust me. Y'all know that by now. I love the Lord. I, Jesus is the one I'm seeking, not the favor of man or whether or not to do it because this is the way I was raised in the Baptist church. God put the word of God in my heart through that, but there's more to it than what obviously I've experienced today. Worship the Lord and your freedom. That's why we talked about David's tabernacle here some time ago. Just be yourself and love Jesus because the answer is, is staying in love with Jesus. Amen? Amen. They wandered. They were in gloom. No way out. They cried out to the Lord in desperate prayer. And every time, even though they brought it on themselves, God delivered them from their distress. Isn't that great? Because I don't know how many times I've got myself in such a big mess. I may be in a big mess right now. But I love Jesus. How about you? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And thank you for your presence. You're so good, Lord, and, and in spite of ourselves. And we just thank you, Lord, today. We cry out to you, desperation for revival, for an awakening in the church today to do what you want to do, oh God. And so, Lord, we lift up holy hands before you, and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. This is about you. This is not about us. This is about you. We honor you. And we glorify you. May Jesus be glorified forever and ever and ever. Amen.